Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Over the last few weeks, we've looked two or three different times at some passages of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached to His followers. And this morning, I want to take one more look at a passage that He Shared and, and some words that he communicated and, um, and try to draw from some understanding from that in relationship to the Sermon on the Mount and, and our journey of faith today. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, Jesus says these words, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, oftentimes we confuse this word perfection to mean that we are without sin, without fault, without any, any wrong in our life. To be perfect means that there are no mistakes. But the fact of the matter is, as we look into God's Word, uh, that word perfect in the original language does not mean without, without fault or without blemish or without mistake. What that word really means is mature, or complete. And we have to look and see what Jesus is talking about. Remember, I always say, uh, as I preach, if you see the word therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? Okay? So when we're looking at chapter 5, and we get down to verse 48, He says, be perfect, therefore. So we have to ask ourselves, what's that therefore? Therefore, in other words, He says, be perfect based off of what I've just said. Based in relationship to the things I've just communicated. I'm not telling you that you have to be sinless. I'm not telling you that you can't make any mistakes. But I am telling you, in this area of your life, you need to be mature and complete. So in order to to see that, we have to back up in chapter 5 and look a little bit at what Jesus has been talking about before He shared these words. And and I really want to back up to verse 38 and see where Jesus says, You have heard. So in other words, He's saying, You're hearing some things, I'm telling you something else. And and oftentimes what He's telling us is directly contrary to what we're hearing. So listen to what He says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Okay, So he said, this is what you're hearing. But I say you do, do not resist him who is evil. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said. So here's another, okay? So first he says, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. In other words, everything's going to be equal. Everything's going to be, if something happens to you, that ought to happen back to the other person. He says, no, that's not the way we're to to live our life. So now he says this, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Now, that's an important phrase. Listen to what he says. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
Now, if you hear those words and you listen to what he's saying, he's saying that these actions lead you to be a child of God. That these actions identify you as belonging to Him in order that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? In other words, if you love and get along and are kind to those that love and get along and are kind to you, He said, what benefit is that? Where does that get you in relationship to demonstrating the love of God? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what he's talking about here is perfection in relationship to how we interact with other people. And what he's saying is, you have heard that, that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, everything ought to be equal. He said, I, I'm telling you, that's not the way it ought to be. In fact, he says, if someone slaps you on one side of the face, turn and give them the other side. He says, if somebody says, I'm going to sue you and take your shirt, he says, give them your coat also. He said, if they compel you, in other words, you are required to go with them a mile, he says, you go with them two miles. In other words, he says, you do not in kind return evil for evil or good for good, either one. And then he goes on and begins to talk about, he says that you've heard that you should pray for those and and be kind to those that that love you and everything. He says, listen, I'm telling you what, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Wow, that's hard to do. Someone that's our enemy, someone that's hurt us, someone that's offended us, someone that that has a, a different agenda in life than we do. We see that a lot in our world today. Sometimes we see things going on in the world around us today, and we just shake our heads and we go, how in the world can anybody act like that? How in the world can anybody do those kinds of things? I can't even begin to imagine what it would take for someone's mind and heart and thought process to do those kinds of things. And so, you know, we, we begin to look at things in our world today and we go, man... I just don't understand. And he says, if they're your enemies, if they've done something to harm you or opposed or against you, he says, love them and pray for them. And so when we talk about perfection, we go, well, wait a minute. I have a hard time loving my enemy. I have a hard time praying for my enemy, for something good in their life, for something positive in their life. And he says, if you just love those that love you, he said, what reward have you? What benefit is that to you in life? What have you accomplished as far as demonstrating the love of God to the lost world? He said, you haven't done anything that lines up with His love. And then he says, this is why. Why? He says, because He causes the sun to rise on the good and the evil. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. You know what he's saying in those words? Simply saying this, God loves everyone equally. He doesn't love someone that acts good or or does good things in life more than he loves someone who is evil and does evil things in life. God's love doesn't vary. God's love doesn't change. He causes the sun to rise and set on both. He causes the rain to fall on both. He says God's love is, is equal to all people. And in His love that is equal for all people, He calls us to be perfect 
in relationship to how we in, relate to others in regards to his example. And he says, listen, if you just love those that love you, he, he said, the tax gatherers do that. Now, that's an illustration that you have to go back to that day and time. Of course, I know the IRS and everything isn't our most favorite thing in the world today either. But back in that day and time, if you were a tax gatherer, you were considered a liar. You were considered a cheat. Uh, you were considered someone who was selfish, self-centered, who, who would cost others uh, a misery in life in order for your own gain. And tax gatherer was considered a pretty low person in their day and time because of the things that they did. And remember what took place in regards to that is, is that they became a tax gatherer for the Roman government. And, and so when they became a tax gatherer for the government, they would go out and force people to pay their taxes. You know, we didn't have the system that we have today and, and all the electronics and things where they track and all that. It was a matter of when it was tax time. That been, and so a lot of times these guys would extort taxes out of people when they didn't even owe taxes. Why? Because they were sticking it in their pocket. Because they were doing it for their gain. And so they were looked at as, as some of the lowest people in society of that day. And he says, listen, he said, if you love those who love you, he said, what benefit is that? Even the tax gatherers do that. <laughs> he said, these reprobate that nobody cares for, nobody likes. He said, even they will love someone that loves them. They'll respond or reciprocate that love. And then he goes on and says, well, even the Gentiles do that. So, so you've got to remember, Gentiles are what? Those that are not Jewish and those that are not a part of the family of God. And he said, even they do those things. And so he's making a comparison to help us to understand, sometimes a little bit of an exaggerated comparison, but his idea is this, God's love is for everyone. And while sometimes we grade sin, and we say, well, we know that everybody sins, but this guy's sin is a lot worse than this guy's sin. What this guy did is, is more reprehensible than what this guy did. And so this is an acceptable sin, but these are not acceptable sins. We do that, right? We classify sin. We say things like this. Well, um, you know, it's just a little white lie. We try to dress that up. A lie is a lie. It doesn't matter whether it's little or big. It doesn't matter whether it's white or it's black. But we try to dress it up and sound like a little white lie isn't as bad as someone who's, who's just lied and, and, and really caused pain for other people. So we try to distinguish between the two. And God looks and says, there is no difference. Sin is sin. What people have done is, is it's equal across the board. And he said, so what I want you to understand is that I want you to be perfect in love. Just as I am perfect in love. I want you to be perfect in how you deal with other people and relate to other people because it demonstrates to them the love of God and the faithfulness of God and the commitment of God and His grace and mercy. And he says, if you can't do that, then he says, you're not communicating to the world the true love of God. And so, so our love, we have to be complete in our love, not incomplete. We have to be full of God's love. And we can only do that by the mercy of God and by the grace of God and being filled with the Spirit of God. And so when we, we look and we try to understand that, we understand what He's saying, but putting it into practice is difficult. Doing what He is instructing us to do is a challenge for us as believers because of the struggle uh, that we have in our world today of good and evil, of those who are enemy and those who are our friends. And, and, and so we struggle with that. 
He says this in his word, A new commandment I write unto you, that thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And the second is like it, that thou shalt love your neighbor as thyself. And we go, well, wait a minute. Love my neighbor as myself? Listen to what he goes on and says, And if there are any other commandments, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, listen, how we treat other people, how we interact with other people, how we love or demonstrate the love of God to other people is critical to our Christian walk. And this is the perfection that he's calling us to. Mature, complete love that he's calling us to in our behavior. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Here is the whole love made perfect. Hear that? Listen to this. Here the whole love is made perfect when we love God and keep his commandments. Here's that perfection that he's talking about. It's about love. It's about loving God and obeying his commandments. And if we keep his commandments, ye shall abide in my love. And he that saith he knows him, and abideth in him, and loveth not, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. Because as he is, so are we in this world. You hear that? So we say, we ought to be after his kind. What, what, the way that he lived, the way that he loved, the way that he demonstrated. He says that's the same thing that we ought to be. Because we're, so we are in this world. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love God and keep his commandments, the love of God is perfected in us. It's about our relationship with Him and allowing His Spirit to allow our love to be perfect when we interact with other people. So, so here's what He's telling us. He's telling us we can't do it on our own. You can't do that by yourself. I can't do that by myself. My body, my makeup, my mind, my heart, who I am, does not allow me to, to love someone with the perfect love of God when they have offended me. doesn't allow me to turn the other cheek when they've slapped me. doesn't allow me to give them my coat when they try to take my shirt. It doesn't allow me to go the second mile when they've compelled me to go the first mile. But he says when the love of God, when we are in a love relationship with Him, and, and He is living in us, and we are obeying His commandments, then the love of God is perfected in us. In other words, it's made complete and mature. It helps us to grow up in relationship to obedience to Him and how we live and act in relationship to others. Perfect, our quest toward spiritual maturity. Listen, pursuing the truth in our walk. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Listen to what it says. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, hear that word? Because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. He says, listen, we are pursuers of the truth. And in pursuit of the truth, he said, when we practice maturity, when we practice the truths of God's Word, the solid fruit, food, that's the truth of God's Word. He said, the solid food is for mature people who practice and, and through that practice have their senses trained to discern the difference between good and evil. 
through the truth of God's Word and through the continual practice of the truth of that Word in my life, He says, I can know the difference between good and evil. I can spot it, I can see it, I can know it, and I can understand it. So, He says, that doesn't change my love, but allows me to discern the difference between the two. Pursuing faith in our trials, James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen, this is very important. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect, there's that word again, perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, listen, here's what I want you to understand, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So when you are tested, he says, if if you make it through the test, then you develop endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. What is the result of that endurance that's built through the testing of my faith? He says, it is so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That our love and our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with other people and how we treat them and how we demonstrate the love of God to the world. He said it can be perfected in us if we will go through those trials allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to lead us and guide us through those trials. So that we build endurance, we emerge on the other side victorious, building endurance. And in that endurance, he says, then the love of God is perfected within us so that we are complete. There's the idea. And lacking in nothing. He says that, that not, not perfect in regards that we're sinless, but perfect in regards that we have everything that we need to live in a right relationship with the Lord and a right relationship with other people. That's the perfection that he's talking about. Maturity and completeness in our life. Philippians chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are, here's that word again, perfect, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. He says, so, so here's the idea. The perfection is in the pursuit of the holiness. The perfection is pressing on toward the goal, the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus. Let therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude in yourselves. Have the same attitude. The attitude is what? I press on. I'm not there yet. I haven't achieved it, but I keep striving for it. I keep working toward it in my life. And so as I keep working toward and moving toward and seeking to accomplish, God blesses that effort. And He works in my life to bring about a faith and and a trust that allows us, through His power and presence, to love our enemies. To care for those who, who have offended us. And then He says this, driven by that which stresses the word ought to. Ought to. We ought to do this. We ought to do that. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. This is what he says. He says, listen, there are people who are going to hold to a form of godliness, but they've denied the power thereof. In other words, they're not going to live in that complete, mature love that we're talking about because they're not allowing God to live in them as they should. And he said, those people who are or pretending, if you would, to be followers of God. Listen to that, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness. In other words, we're carrying out the actions, 
But he says, although they have denied the power of. In other words, you're just playing. They're going through the process and they're just pretending to be something that they're not. He said, avoid such people. The key to perfection is completeness in Christ. Listen to what he says in Colossians 2.10. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Not, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves. Consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our, our adequacy is from God. We are complete in Christ. And in Him we achieve perfection. Not perfectly that we live with no sin. Not perfectly that we make no mistakes. But perfectly that we are allowing Him to complete us, allowing Him to mature us, and allowing Him to use us to communicate His love, genuine, unchanging love, to everyone in the world, regardless of whether they are good or evil, regardless of whether they have offended us or not. We communicate God's perfect love to everyone. And he says when we do that, then we are living the perfect Christian life. Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation hymn. And as always, it's a time for us to make changes. For us to look at our life and go, you know what, I'm not perfect. I haven't been living perfect. And, and I want to make a change in my life. I'm not doing things the way that I should. I have struggled loving my enemies and praying for them. But I know through the presence of God and the power of God, His Spirit can help me to do that. And so I want to change today. I want to do something different. Maybe that change is something you just need to pray about and go away and, and deal with. Maybe it's something you want to share publicly with the church. But whatever decisions on your heart today, we invite you to come as we stand and we sing.